have a long and exciting podcast for you. It is a historic, historic Monday for Virginia Tech fans across the world, across the country, across the Commonwealth. What a wonderful day. Virginia Tech men's basketball are your ACC champions for the first time in program history after defeating the Clemson Tigers, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the Carolina Tar Heels, and the Duke Blue Devils in one, two, three, four days. That's more than I've ever done in four days. I think that's more than anyone's ever done in four days, but they handled it. They handled business. It was incredible. We're going to cover a multitude of topics. I just want to give you a quick rundown before we do that. Um, We are also, after talking about the men's trip to the tournament, we will be talking to James Anderson, who played at Virginia Tech from Chesapeake, about the Monogram Club for those to come golf tournament. Um, Some really, really exciting stuff for you to either get involved and play some golf or to sponsor a hole and promote your business. What better place to do it than right in Blacksburg with awesome athletes and awesome Hokies coming to have a great time on spring game weekend. Aside from that, Sons of Saturday is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy is your one-stop shop for everything that you need in the Blacksburg or New River Valley community. If you need a prescription, if you need some milk, if you need someone to talk to, if you just want to go play Mrs. Pac-Man, head on down to Main Street Pharmacy. And Pat and Ed, who are both joining me today, some breaking news, we will also be You can see our profile picture. It's freaking sweet. Al Jones made it for us. We are going to be getting ACC championship tags. I forgot the word, pins. And you can get those at Main Street Pharmacy. So keep your ear to the streets. But it's time to talk about this incredible run. But before we do that, Pat, as always, we have a Hokie Haiku submission. So why don't you go ahead and take that away? Hokie Haiku submitted by Randito. Four wins in four nights. Make Hokies conference champs. On to the big dance. It's a solid haiku. I know a good haiku when I see one. Rendito, that one has a little bit of a rhyme there. So uh, we're fired up about that. I can't believe, has anyone processed this yet? Can we just go through? I, I, can't, I still am having trouble believing this. It has been the best four days maybe ever. Uh, on Twitter, on the basketball court, just walk me through the range of the emotions. We'll start. Uh, we'll start with Ed. Walk me through the emotions of this week, whether it was your expectations coming into the tournament and where we have arrived today. Well, I think it's safe to say they completely exceeded everyone's expectations. Uh, not only did they win the ACC championship, that was not a cupcake ACC championship. They went straight down Tobacco Road and also knocked off Notre Dame and Mike Bray along the way. I mean, they beat you know, upper echelon basketball programs um, on consecutive nights to win the first ACC title in school history. I thought uh, Mike Young and his staff were absolutely terrific as they have been, you know, for the better part of two and a half months at this point. Um, The team, you know, top to bottom was awesome. Everybody played great one through eight. Um, You know, we had Ben Varga in the game in the national, in the ACC championship, like, the whole team played in the ACC championship against Duke in coach K's final game. Uh, That's unbelievably hard to process. Um, Thinking back to where we were in, you know, December timeframe and to where we are now, it was um, what a fun week. Oh, what a fun four nights. I'm absolutely exhausted. Um, But it was, it was all worth it. And the, 
you know, some of the pictures and videos and content coming out of, you know, Brooklyn. And when the team got back to Blacksburg has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I envy everyone that made that trip up to Brooklyn. I wish I had done it. Um, I wish it didn't snow. That was kind of a deterrent for me, but uh, in hindsight, man, I feel like an idiot. I should have gone up there. That would have been incredible. Um, and I'm extremely jealous of everybody that did because that was a historic night for Virginia Tech basketball and really for Virginia Tech as a whole. I'll hey, jump I'll in. It. Yeah, I'll jump in real quick. Ed described it pretty well, but just to see a team, the way that they did it, it, it was a inverse, not an inverse, but I, I want to call it a roller coaster ride, but it wasn't a roller coaster ride. There was one roller coaster ride and it was the Clemson Express up and down and up and down. But I mean, just to see them have double digit leads over Notre Dame, I mean, really just crushing Notre Dame beginning to end. Um, and then getting off to a hot start against Carolina and doing the same against Duke was just unbelievable four nights in a row. Um, emptying the bench against Duke and seeing orange and maroon confetti get shot out of a cannon. Uh, in a, I've never seen it. That was the first. I, I don't think I've, ever, I've never seen it. No one's ever seen orange and maroon confetti, and just seeing the pure joy and euphoria on Justin Mutz's face, and some of the most incredible photography that I've ever seen Virginia Tech athletes and students and fans get to be a part of. I mean, Courtney Adams sent us a picture uh, of the confetti going off, and that's what we posted to the Instagram page, and it was. Just something that we've never seen before. ESPN had a graphic of just confetti floating around in the non-existent wind of the Barclays Center with the score at the bottom. No one had ever seen that before. I just uh, I, I'm I'm over the moon for these these players and and this coaching staff and you know everyone who who believed in themselves. It's really there's not enough words to describe how incredible the last four days were. To, to kind of kick this off, I think the best way to do it um, before recapping the tournament and kind of talking about some of the biggest things that led to it, we, we should tell the story of each game. Um, and I don't think a lot of time needs to be spent on the first Clemson game. Um, of all the times that this team was written off this year, and I want to say this, one of my least favorite exercises, and I actually was the ringleader of this exercise a couple years ago. The exercise of pulling up tweets when a team is bad of people saying, hey, this team's not very good. Does it make that person an idiot? Because this team was not good in the first two thirds of this season, pretty much. Um, now, does that mean that we got to attack players? Does that mean we need to attack coaches? There were some wild, wild, wild takes, but I think it was very fair to point out some of the problems with this team. And as I walked through kind of uh, a lot of uh, in my uh, all famous ball down more downfield on more group chat, a lot of people were saying, hey, I haven't really watched this team. Can someone please explain to me what's going on? And the best way that I can describe it, Ned, I'd love your, your thoughts here are a couple of things. Tech is an old basketball team, but they're an old basketball team that did not spend a ton of minutes together. They're an old basketball team where Storm Murphy has played thousands of minutes on a basketball court. Kevin Aluma has played thousands of minutes. Um, Hunter Couture is used to playing with guys like Jalen Cohn and guys like Tyrese Radford. There was so much that was changed 
that it wasn't as necessarily the problem wasn't Storm Murphy can't play in the ACC. The problem wasn't Kebe Aluma is overrated. The problem wasn't Justin Mutz doesn't belong in a Division One basketball uh, program. It was these guys just took a while to gel, and we finally, finally saw it at the beginning of February. They did turn into the team that when we talked to Coach Giltner, when we talked to uh, Luke Hancock, and when we talked to Mike Young, it was the team that we expected to see. Ed, what would you say about that? Yeah, there's a, you know, in my head, I've equated it a couple times to the 2019 Washington Nationals, and I'm sure there's a lot of D.C. sports fans on here, but the Nationals were 19 and 31 in May and went on to win the World Series. It was This was kind of like that. It was bad, 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 and then all of a sudden, their rocket ship took off and they never looked back. Um, they were, this was a bad team, uh, for a long stretch of time. You know, they, they had some flashes of what we thought they were going to be early on. You know, they blew the doors off of Navy, um, who was ended up having a really good year, um, beat St. Bonaventure, a game me and Pat were at, and then just really bad basketball to start ACC play. Um, but then once they figured it out, man, they figured it out and they didn't look back. I saw a stat today that the four highest teams in the country win percentage wise in the last two months are. Arizona, Tennessee, Villanova, and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, that's a one seed, a three seed, a two seed, and an 11 seed. So, you know, not everything's created equal there, but, you know, Virginia Tech, what they did, once they turned the corner after that half-court loss against Miami was truly remarkable and a, a season that I don't think I'll ever forget. And, you know, Diablo fan account tweeted out a stat today. That was crazy. Of the 42 conference tournament champions over the last eight years, Virginia Tech is the only without a top 100 recruit and the lowest team composite recruiting ranking. Um, take a bow, Mike Young. Take a bow, Kevin Giltner. Take a bow, Mike Jones. Uh, the whole staff, everyone top to bottom, because what they were able to get out of this roster of guys who were overlooked, um, guys who didn't have the opportunities that, you know, definitely not the opportunities the guys on Duke had. But what they were able to get out of this roster was, um, you know, championship level, obviously, as we've seen. So it was it was truly amazing. And I'll never forget this season as long as I'm a Virginia Tech fan. And what was so special about it was continuing. And it was ad nauseum every game that you saw on ESPN is how many heartbreaking results came all season of. Uh, and if you don't think uh, and again, this isn't this isn't coming at anybody. This is just like facts. You lose the game to Miami. Storm Murphy hears the booze and sees all this stuff about everybody talking about him not being the guy and, you know, this team not living up to expectations. And for them to come together and finish this through after, and we'll start here with the 75 to 76 loss to Clemson. Um, you know, my only real thoughts uh, to share here um, were if anything came out of the Clemson game, Pat, you mentioned this as the most consistent thing in this ACC tournament. We lose to Clemson at Clemson by, uh, I'm sorry, I have the wrong one pulled up here. We lose to Clemson at Clemson by four points. And Keve Aluma logs th- goes three of eight with seven points. And he was by far the thing you could hang your hat on in this ACC tournament. Pat, talk to me a little bit about what you saw from Keve Aluma uh, in those four nights in the ACC tournament in Brooklyn. It was the most just nonstop consistency that we've seen out of him this entire season. Um, you know, go to the first Clemson game, uh, or sorry, go to the ACC tournament Clemson game 
Um, Kevin Aluma, 19 points, 10 rebounds, you know, on the board with the double, double really set the tone for the team. Uh, Notre Dame, 20 points, only had two rebounds, which I'm not sure if that is a, a statistical mishap by, uh, by the internet, or he actually only had two rebounds. Um, but Carolina, 18 points, four rebounds, and then played probably the best game of his career. As Ed was saying earlier, against Duke on Saturday, 19 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, including the uh, assist to Justin Mutz with the on the head dunk on Paolo Bancaro. Uh, if you guys watched the press conference after the game, uh, it featured coach young uh, storm Keve and Hunter Couture. And uh, they were joking, you know, in between questions, um, Storm was like, hey, coach, you know, Kevin had seven assists. And uh, <laughs> it, was, um, it was pretty funny. But Kevin was out of, out of control. And his three-point um, – I, I don't have his three-point percentage pulled up. I'll pull that up here. Kevin was making it rain from, from deep, mm-hmm. which was just pivotal uh, in this tournament. What uh, So bringing it back to – let's go through it game by game here. So the first game – and again, you <laughs> – like as soon as we won the tournament, it, it, the first thought that rushed to my mind is we really almost never had any of this because we were supposed to lose to Clemson four nights ago. And I I cannot help but tip my cap. I said this in the Twitter space. PJ Hall is a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. He played through pain, probably played through injury. Uh, he logged 16 points, two blocks, three assists, five boards on five of 11 shooting. Uh, he hit two threes as well. He's a phenomenal basketball player. And Clemson gave us absolutely everything that you could possibly ask for. Um, Ed, talk, walk me through a little bit of this, because I know you said it immediately when the game was over. Tech had zero business winning the basketball game against Clemson in the first game. No, no, they, they did not at all. Um Pat, what was the number of rebounds you just said Keve had in the first Clemson game? In the first Clemson game, Keve had eight rebounds. In the second Clemson game, he had 10 rebounds. While I'm looking at his stat sheet, um, across the four games, Duke one of one from three, Carolina one of four, Notre Dame one of two. Clemson, he was three of five uh, from behind the arc. Uh, ESPN. There we go. ESPN. Thank you, ESPN, for the uh, for the McDonald's Big Mac ad. I actually like Big Macs. I don't need an advertisement about them. I'm gonna eat them regardless if you put an ad in front of me or not. Yep. Uh, yeah, go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, what what you know that Clemson game. If you go ahead and you look at you know this is a goofy stat or a goofy uh, thing, but it's a thing, so we'll talk about it. But uh, the win percentage for Virginia Tech inside of the two-minute mark. If you go ahead and you swap it over to this goofy win probability uh, machine, uh, Clemson had a 86% chance of winning the game with eight seconds left. And uh, Darius Maddox went ahead and did his thing. So go ahead, Ed. I mean, after the Sean Padula behind-the-back pass on the fast break that was a turnover, I would have given that win percentage at zero. Um, Virginia Tech dominated the first half of that game. You know, did everything that you would expect them to do um, weren't turning the ball over the first half of that game was really, really good basketball. And we saw that for the rest of the ACC tournament, but the second half of that first Clemson game or the Clemson game to start the ACC tournament was atrocious. Um, for about a good five minutes there, it seemed like we were just kicking the ball right back to them after a rebound. Um, that was awful. And Mike Young talked about it 
in the post game, how, you know, he actually, he talked about it on the uh, post game of the ACC championship, you know, how he had a, he had a kid thrown behind the back passes on the break in that Clemson game um, and how they almost, you know, didn't get to where they got to. Uh, but Kevin Luma was really good in that game as we've already hammered home. Justin Mutz, who, you know, was one of my favorite players and I think will go down as one of uh, mine and many others favorite Virginia Tech basketball players uh, based on, you know, especially the past week, but almost had a double double with 10 rebounds, nine points. Um, the front court, you know, has carried us for most of the year and they continue to do so in that Clemson game. But, you know, yeah, we really, in my opinion, had no business winning that game. You turn the ball over that many times in the second half, you should lose. But, um, you know, the vets on this team and Mutz and Aluma and then Storm Murphy were absolutely awesome in that Clemson game to, you know, drag us back into it and ultimately win it in overtime on a, you know, ridiculous Darius Maddox shot and, that's just kind of what four-star guys do is they hit shots like that. Darius Maddox's jump shot is uh, as pretty as any you'll see in college basketball. But I thought Storm was fantastic in that game. Um, I thought Mutz and Aluma were fantastic. And, you know, they've been the driving force for, you know, the entire tournament. So it was kind of a precursor of more to come for them from those three guys. But that was uh, that second half was really hard to watch. Murphy hit a couple of huge shot, shots in which – I couldn't feel better for a kid, man. I mean, he hit some absolutely massive shots where when he's pulling up, you're thinking, what are you doing? And he continuously delivered on some really, really big, uh, big moments. But to wrap it up on the Clemson game here, I mean, we turned the ball over 14 times. We fouled him 19 times. Um, we really, the only big difference here was we out-rebounded Clemson 29 to 36 um, and shot 42.9% from three. On the play, I was like, is our season really going to end? Can you imagine if Darius Maddox doesn't hit this shot and the last image before the ball is inbounded is Keve Aluma going, what the hell, man? He's getting taken out of the game. You're taking the, 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 the best player on the team out of the game. He looks upset, and you give the ball to a freshman, and he rinky-dinky down, down the court with the ball and knocks it down. I mean, it was one of those moments where it's like, if this goes the other way, this has disaster potential. Tech doesn't make the tournament. He pulls the best player out of the game, whether it was fake or decided. I, I think it was uh, your pops, uh, Pat, who said that Mike Young basically was trying to confuse the other team and Keve was in on it, trying to like be like, why am I getting taken out of the game? But it worked. And we knocked down the uh, the three and we and we keep dancing. Ed, were you kind of surprised to see Keve come out of that game? I was completely confused. I had no idea what was going on. And then when you hear Mike Young talk about it in the post game, you know, he was trying to get that all guard lineup on the floor, um, you know, it, you know, to throw off Brad Brown Allen, it did because Brown Allen called timeout right before Maddox on the inbound. So um, the fact that he stuck with it coming out of the timeout was interesting, but man, it was all or nothing on that last play. You got all shooters on the floor um, and you give it to, you know, the most highly rated guy on the roster recruiting wise. And he goes down and hits a <laughs> shot of a lifetime in Brooklyn um, you know, percentage wise, I guess that's your best shooter all year long. The dude shooting like mid fifties from three. So Darius Maddox, um, kind of cemented himself and Virginia tech fans minds forever with that shot. I, I thought the, the move to go all guards was interesting. It was clearly an all or nothing play. We were shooting a three on that possession one way or the other. So, um, it was really interesting. I was confused in the moment, but in hindsight, you pushed the right button there. Moving on to the, uh, to the Notre Dame game, which, um, it's kind of crazy to think these next three games, Tech basically 
takes it to their opponents the entire time. Uh, Virginia Tech led the Notre Dame game from beginning to finish. The closest moment of the game really came with, I, I, I guess, like the last minute of the game. Notre Dame cut it to 75 to 81. Um, but another night, 20 points from Kevin Aluma and eight from 12 um, and uh, won the game. Does anybody have any over any overarching thoughts on this Notre Dame game? It was really kind of just a beat down from beginning to end. Five different players in double figures. I mean, that's that's really it right there. Like we we took an early lead and never looked back in the rearview mirror. Uh, it was it was pretty incredible. Uh, Mutz had a double double. That was Mutz's best game of the tournament, in my opinion. Um, he had eleven points, ten rebounds. Keve twenty and two. Uh, Naheem had twelve points. Storm had sixteen. Padula had thirteen, and then you had. Um, uh, Katora with nine. I mean, just getting every single guy on the floor to contribute like that, um, you know, it was pretty incredible. And just to kind of breeze to a win after the previous evening was was fantastic. Yeah, Justin Mutz absolutely dominated that game from start to finish. Uh, not only did he have the 11 points and 10 rebounds, he also had five assists, three steals, and three blocks with zero turnovers. Um, that, that'll get it done. That'll get it done at any level, in any conference, yeah, I'll get it done at High Point. I'll get it done at Delaware, and I'll get it done in the ACC tournament. That was that was a almost flawless game from Justin Mons. It was a fifty-seven point four percent shooting outing for Virginia Tech, shooting nearly sixty percent um, and seventy-five percent from the free throw line. Um, but then, when you get to the Notre Dame game, and this is funny because we were talking about this, when you won the Notre Dame game, you say, "Okay, we beat Notre Dame." It's it, it's kind of like a Q1 win. It would have been a Q1 win, but then we knock them out of the Q1. Regardless, in my mind, I'm saying, okay, we might be in now. If we beat Carolina, we're definitely in, which is funny because if we didn't beat Duke, Duke, we're not in. So uh, you're kind of like mental gymnastics of trying to figure out where you are throughout this entire tournament. It, it was a wild roller coaster ride. Yeah, and in the meantime, you know, you're, you're seeing Indiana – upset mm-hmm. Michigan and they're like, Oh my gosh, Michigan's going to get in at 17. Winning. Memphis yeah. is winning everybody. You know, A&M might get, get the last spot over us, you know, uh, Dayton and uh, a couple other schools. We're just consistently refreshing bracket boy, Joe Lenardi and, you know, <laughs> p- poor wake forest, man. They were, they were in the tournament until they got bounced out by Boston college. And, you know, the bid stealers were, were hunting all weekend long. But, um, I think, uh, it it was just, it was just crazy. You know, all the, all the group texts, Hey, do we need to win tonight? I don't know. I think we're fine. I think we're in. It's like, Hey man, let's just keep winning. Let's just, let's Mm -hmm. focus on this game today and, uh, and regroup. So this was the, the Carolina game was, I mean, I've, I've made this abundantly clear. I don't like beating the hell out of anybody more than I like beating the hell out of Carolina. I just wanted to win an absolutely dominant second half. You go into halftime, it's 32 to 26. You're feeling pretty good. Me, uh, I'm telling to Pat the thing that I always tell him when we're winning a game that I don't feel like we're supposed to. I'm like, if you told me that before this game, we'd be up six at halftime, I'd be feeling pretty good. And then we come out and we outscore Carolina uh, by seven points in the second half. And it really didn't feel close at all um, when you came out of halftime. Darius Maddox was absolutely dominant. 
He was 20, uh, 20 points and seven of 12 sh- uh, shooting. He had six rebounds. Storm Murphy was fantastic. He had uh, seven assists to one turnover in 23 minutes. Um, and it was unbelievably satisfying. I want to nip one thing in the bud before I pass it to you, Ed, to give your thoughts on the game. There were no officiating problems in the Duke game or the North Carolina game. There was no fix. The fix was not in. Everybody was talking. Anytime North Carolina got a foul, anytime Duke got a foul, no. This is an equally officiated game. Tech found a way to win the game. And I'm glad that the ACC officiated these games correctly. I never felt like there was any type of slight or there was any type of uh, gearing towards wanting a North Carolina Duke, uh, North Carolina Duke rematch or a uh, Duke ACC championship. My counter to that would be that Virginia Tech played so well that the refs never had a chance to make a game deciding call. I'll hear Uh, that. Virginia Tech won both halves in both the Duke and Carolina games. Um, The only half of the entire tournament after Clemson they lost was the second half against Notre Dame, whereas you just talked about it got a little dicey there for a second. But um, that was the only half they'd lost. They they won the first and second half against Carolina and did the same thing against Duke, not even giving the refs a chance to get involved. So uh, credit to the Virginia Tech guys for, for, you know, not allowing that to happen at all. Um, on the Duke, on the Carolina game, it's, I mean, Darius Maddox is obviously, you know, the star of the show for the Hokies, uh, career high in every category for him. Um, 20 points off the bench was phenomenal. Um, actually we only had two guys at double digits in the Carolina game, which is pretty crazy, but, uh, Maddox was phenomenal four or five from three, uh, Kelly Aluma phenomenal. Once again, that's a common theme here in this, in this ACC tournament, 18 points, no turnovers. Um, which is big, actually. Our front court has had turnover issues all year long, and that wasn't the case in, in this tournament. Um, but the the one thing that I want to highlight is actually on the Carolina side, uh, we held Brady Manick to 10 points on 0-5 from three. Uh, Brady Manick had been a hokey killer so far this year in the first two matchups, and we were able to neutralize him enough to the point where, you know, you knew Baycott was going to get his double digits, uh, rebounds, double digit points, but the the rest of the Virginia Tech defense did a really good job slowing down Caleb Love, slowing down Brady Manick, the guys who have um, made life really difficult for us uh, in, the, in the first two regular season matchups. But um, the Hokies played, once again, a really good game. Aluma was fantastic, and Darius Max was completely unconscious. Um, never gave the refs a chance, Billy. Never gave the refs a chance. Had an absolute blast watching this um, in Frisco, and there was a table – a couple of tables away from us yes. at the bar that was getting excited uh, when we would get excited. So we sent them a round of green tea shots, which was great. Um, this was just one of the best nights, you know, you beat Carolina. All right, guys, we're in, right. We're in. It's, it's another one of those things. It's done. Just keep it close versus Duke. It's good. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, you wake up on, on Saturday morning and all of a sudden it's game day again, but man, watching Darius Maddox just completely take over the game, you know, he had already done his part. He won us the Clemson game, but just to see him say, Hey, I wasn't finished. You know, this is my gym. Barclays center is my home. Uh, Darius Maddox with 20 points and four or five shooting uh, from behind the arc was just incredible. So a couple of other caveats here uh, or tidbits um, tech probably had their best game shooting the free throw. Uh, they went 13 of 14, 92% uh, shot 43% from the field and uh, scorching 45%. From the uh, three-point line. Again, yeah, 
unbelievably dominant performance. Go ahead, Ed. Ed's raising his hand. Raising his hand. I want to add one small story similar to the one that you guys had, it sounds like, but I was at a bar in um, National Harbor and I walked up to the bar to watch the end of the game and watch us win the game. And I ran into another tech fan. Um, we were, you know, talking about it and whatever. And as the game ended, he made his UVA buddy next to him buy us all Jaeger shots. So oh. shots were flying on Saturday night, courtesy go. of a UVA grad. So that felt pretty good. Uh, another thing to, um, keep in mind and that you only can get this, uh, you can't only get it, but this is where I get it. Uh, bleach report has plus minus, um, for, uh, the starting lineups. Um, some staggering numbers here. Storm Murphy was a plus 23 Naheem Aline, who isn't being talked about as much. And I think one of the more special things about this basketball team, especially during the win streak, uh, Ed, I would love your thoughts on this is everybody has gotten to the point where they know what they're able to do. You don't see adjusted mutts early in the shot clock three-pointer. If he gets the ball at the top of the key, he's finding to get it to the right person. If Hunter Couture is not shooting well, he's going to be a good facilitator and he's going to make a difference on defense. I, uh, and Naheem Aleen as well. Naheem Aleen has some herky-jerky moments, but he has really, really, really done a good job of compartmentalizing everything and doing what's at, what needs to be done to win. And I think that's what makes this team so special this team doesn't have any hero ball. Like there are times where I wish Keve Aluma would do some hero balling. <laughs> there are some times where I wish um, we, we, would see, we would see some other guys take over. But I think that's the most special thing about this team is everybody knows their role and everybody understands what they bring to the table. Yeah, I've kind of talked about this a significant amount with, you know, Mike on our Hokey Hoops pod, but there's kind of a, a three-step cause and effect that has led to this roster being in a position where all those guys know their roles, just like you talked about, and everyone's comfortable in what they're doing. Um, the first piece of that being this staff's ability to coach Sean Padula and Darius Maddox defensively into a place where they can play extended periods of time. Um, their defensive hiccups kept them off the floor early in the year during the struggles, and as the staff got to a place with those two guys where they were comfortable leaving them on the floor for extended minutes. You saw the offensive prowess of both of those guys that led them to be rated where they were rated in high school and recruited by Mike Young and identified by the staff as people that fit this offense. Um, getting those two on the floor more and having them be able to show off their offensive skill set has allowed guys like Naheem Ali and guys like Storm Murphy to kind of sink back into their comfort zone and their role and what they're good at. And that's allowed Naheem Aline to not have to force up shots late in the shot clock because we have somebody else who can dribble drive and Sean Padula. That's allowed the same thing for Storm Murphy. He was able to take shots he's more comfortable with instead of jacking up shots late in the clock, um, trying to be, you know, um, think back to years past, you know, um, last year alone, we'll just talk about Tyrese Radford. That was him last year. He was the guy late in the clock who was going to go get his shot off. That's not really um, Aline's game. That's not really Storm's game, especially as he's trying to adjust to a much higher level of basketball coming from Wofford into the ACC. So I think the ability of Padula and Maddox to be those go-get-your-shot-off guys has really allowed the rest of the roster to kind of find their sweet spot in terms of what they're comfortable doing on both ends of the floor. And to round out the plus and minus here, Keve Aluma finished with a plus 28 against Carolina and he could not have fallen absolutely balling against again. I, what I loved is when you looked at these matchups and you said, we're going to play Carolina who's had our number all year and we're going to play Duke 
who is the storybook God darling of ESPN and everybody else. Those are the two that it's going to keep that are we're going to have to go through to beat uh, to beat to be ACC champions. And along with that comes, hey, Kevin Aluma, you, you want you want to rise your stock. You want to show that you belong. You want to show that you earned all of these preseason accolades. You got Armando Baycott one day and you got Paolo Bonchero the next day. And he answered the bell and he dominated, dominated these two basketball games. So um, if we're done with North Carolina, we'll move on right on to the Duke game. And just to kind of keep with, you know, what we've been talking about here, Keve Aluma against Duke logged a plus 20, uh, 19 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, and six of eight from the field. Uh, just a dominant performance from Keve Aluma. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, and what just a story, but I don't even know where to start with this Duke game. I, I'm a little exacerbated and excited. So Ed, why don't you, why don't you take over here uh, and tell us your thoughts on the Duke game here? I'll try. Yeah, I think I browned out during the uh, second half of that Duke game, both <laughs> from excitement and from cold beverages. Um, that was amazing. I was, I was in at the bar I was at, I was just completely zoned out. I was zoned in on the game. I don't know who I was even with. Uh, I was just staring at that screen because I just couldn't believe what I was seeing in the second half. Um, Virginia Tech absolutely dominated that second half, won the second half 40 to 28 uh, over the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, it's it's remarkable. That that starting lineup for Duke is like, I think, five five stars or four five stars and a four star against guys who in Storm Murphy and Aluma who weren't even ranked um, coming out of high school. And to be able to dominate them in the fashion we did was just the perfect capstone to a ridiculous season. Um, you know, I grew up in a Maryland household and I had all my family members that went to Maryland texting me how happy they are that we beat Duke. So, you know, everybody wanted to see Duke fall that night, except for Duke fans and also Cowboys fans and Yankees fans and Lakers fans. Um, so it, that was, that was just so much fun. It was so much fun. And Aluma, um, I, in my opinion, that was the best game of his Virginia tech career. I don't even think it's close. And to do it on that stage, you're exactly right against that level of talent, you know, Mark Williams, defensive player of the year. Paolo Banchero, you know, might be the first pick, might be the third pick, you know, easily he's going to be a top three draft pick. Uh, Wendell Moore is an awesome college basketball player. AJ Griffin's a lottery pick. Um, Trevor Keels, five-star guard, you know, to, to put on the show that this team did in that game on that, in that environment was truly remarkable. And we haven't even talked about Couture yet. It was seven or nine from three with 31 points. Um, absolutely unconscious. So yeah, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. I'm rambling. I'm a little excited. It was just so much fun, man. Uh, Pat, take it away. Saturday was one of the best days ever. Um, yes. We, were, <laughs> we skied Breckenridge on Saturday, finished up, got the last lift right before 4 o'clock, and we're, we're, we're bombing it down the trails uh, and getting back to the lodge and then getting ready for the game. And – it was just like, wow, we're about to watch Virginia Tech play in the ACC championship. And I called my dad after the Carolina game on Friday night and was like, all right, I'm thinking of pulling my flight forward and uh, <laughs> flying into Newark so I can go to this game uh, so we can go together. And uh, he was like, no, like you've watched the last three games in Colorado. Like, I want you to stay out there. If you come, we're probably not going to win. And uh, I guess this year I, I've been. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, I, I've been to 
three games at neutral sites this year and one and two. So, you know, by by the day not going Clark eating Taco Bell, um, you know, Danielle and Carly wearing the same shirt four days in a row. I mean, everybody did something right. Dad, did you have any uh, did you have any superstitious stuff going on? Just a lot of cold beverages, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, he was cracking me up because they had dinner reservations on Saturday. It, it was snowing up in New Jersey. I was like, are you going to go? And he's like, I don't know. We, we were kind of committed to this dinner. And I was like, all right, well, um, you know, you didn't go to any of the previous games. Let's just follow the data here. Let's just do what we're doing. So uh, decide to stick it out in Colorado and ski another day, which was a ton of fun. But um, Hunter Couture, man, like, whew, you look at his previous games, he was struggling. And he he remarked in the press conference at the uh, after the game, this was, a, this was a team that was just rallying around Hunter Couture. Listen, man, Hunter, you're the best shooter in the gym. You're the best shooter in the gym. Just, you know, he was going through a, uh, a cold streak. We um, all need a boost from oh time to time. Oh, my God. If you're 12 Guys, plus. All right, who's the ad this time? I don't even know. I'm sorry, ESPN. I'm just trying to read some statistics aloud. And the worldwide leader in sports also has to be the worldwide leader in annoying advertisements during the pod. Hunter Couture, man. Uh, you know, not just 31 points. I mean, like, he started, what, six of six? Like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Every single time he has the ball in his hands, he's just going to pull up, whether it's, you know, uh, on, a, on a nice little – um, floater in the lane or just from deep, man. He was out of control. He was so much fun to watch. This was a tournament player and a tournament performance, Hunter Couture. Um, not only did he have 31 points and you know shoot 77% from behind the arc and 11 of 16 overall, but four rebounds and three steals. I mean, the guy just seeing seeing uh seeing those moments after the game uh with his mom, those were just incredible uh, images. Maybe cried. I cried a little bit. I'm, I'll, I'll admit it. I was, I was getting a little hey. teary-eyed watching that. Who, who wasn't getting teary-eyed watching content from the last uh, the last 48 hours? I mean, it, it still does not feel real. And then just like Hunter Couture, 31 points on Saturday. Meanwhile, like one, two, three, four, five. He didn't even have 31 points in his previous five games combined. He was just out of control, unconscious a tournament player. And John Yetzi was saying this too. I know we're talking about Couture right now, but Storm Murphy also tournament ball player. I mean, this is a guy who can play basketball in March and performs in March. And it's just so fun to see I got that stats for you. No? I got stats for you. I got stats yeah. for you on Storm Murphy. Give me, Give me the um, stats. So Storm Mar- Murphy's conference numbers um, versus his numbers in the tournament. So, uh, he averaged seven and a half points per game on 42 and a half percent shooting 34% for the three point line and 2.6 assists enter storm Murphy, the tournament player storm Murphy in the tournament averaged 11.7 points per game on 48.5% shooting 47.5% from the three point line and four and a half assists his, he was the catalyst. He was the steady hand. He played incredible, incredible basketball against really good guards as well. North Carolina has good guards. Duke has good guards. Notre Dame has been a great team all year. Um, Some other things to talk about. We led the North Carolina game. I just want to make sure that I get this right before I say it. We led the North Carolina game by as many as 20 points. We led the Duke game by as many as 18 points. We... 
the euphoria that comes from emptying your bench when you're playing against North Carolina and when you're playing against Duke. I, I, I don't know. There's never been a moment in Virginia Tech sports history where I was more elated than this. For the season to have started the way that it started and for it to end on the crescendo that it ended on, I am so in love with this basketball team. I, I it's a, it's, it is literally, I, Pat, I turned to you twice uh, during the North Carolina game and during the Duke game. And I said, these are literally lifetime memories. Like, th- like this will be in my brain. This team will be in my, like, I, I've said it forever. The 20, the 2019 team, I'm never going to love a team as much as this team. I'm never going to love a team as much as this team. It's, it's a completely different personality. It's a completely different coach. It's a completely different style of play. But I just uh, an amazing, amazing story and an amazing, amazing run by these folks. Just incredible. The confetti. Guys, how about seeing folks wearing maroon and orange, pulling out a ladder, putting it under the net, walking (laughs) up there, walking up there with their fancy black backwards hats and snipping the scissors uh, to get some of the net off of the rim. I have never seen that before. I never, uh, and, and what I loved too, and um, this, is, this might sound corny. It, it, like you love, like the Olympics were so disappointing because you love the raw emotion of sport. And the Olympics sucked this year. I hated the Olympics. I didn't watch any of it. It sucked. But to see the team hugging each other and like just everybody getting together. Some of these pictures that the AP put out of, of Justin Mutz, everything that he's been through to come through and, and, and perform the way that he did and have that dunk moment or storm storm Murphy. So I'll, I'll put the picture up. It, it's kind of funny. Um, storm Murphy put up a picture on the bus backwards hat. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the net tied to his hat, Mouth wide open, eyes glowing, and his caption is just, what just happened? I just, I love this basketball team, and uh, the and I couldn't get enough of it. I spent hours after the game was over just taking in all the content of the quotes and the, and the pictures and, the, and everything else. We've never come out on this side of these type of moments. And to come out on this side, the way that they did it, I can't stop talking about it. And, and I guess, Ed, I'll turn it over to you in a second. The only other thing I'll say from the game, because um, it was so hard to like get into the game because you're just like, oh my God, what's happening? I think the biggest difference was getting Duke in foul trouble. Um, uh, Roach had, I believe, three fouls at halftime and got his fourth immediately coming out uh, of halftime. Bianchero had four. Williams had four. Uh, we were able to get Duke in some serious foul trouble. Um, but uh but yeah, and anything from the game, I feel like nobody, I feel like nobody has any thoughts on the actual game, um, just because we're so wrapped up in the excitement here. We yeah, being so able to, uh, what'd you say? We just shot so much better than they did, you know. Well, yeah, our defense is phenomenal. Um, being able to keep them out of their comfort zone was obviously a major key. And you talk about Roach, you know, having the foul trouble. He had been really, really good for them in their run to the title game against Virginia Tech. So. Uh, slowing down Roach. I mean, you knew Banchero was going to get his, um, but the rest of those guys, I mean, Virginia Tech's defense was phenomenal. Um, continuing with, you know, the game itself, um, it's more of an overarching entire week theme, but the only game that was close was the Clemson game. 
uh, as close as you could possibly get in that one. And the only, the reason that game was close was because we turned the ball over at an alarming rate. Um, every other game the rest of the week, Notre Dame, six turnovers, UNC, seven, Duke, nine. Uh, anytime you're under double digits in the turnover category, especially this Virginia Tech team, um, if you go back and look over the year, most nights we win, our turnover number is low. 14 ain't low, and that's the reason Clemson was a close game. But uh, the Hokies did a really, really good job taking care of the ball the rest of the week. And it was the reason they were cutting the nets down and stuffing confetti in their socks and all the cool stuff that we've seen content wise ever since the game ended. But um, they're playing really good basketball at the right time, man. That's for sure. We scored four uh, over 40 points in both halves against Duke. You held Duke to 67 points. You held North Carolina to 59 points. Um, the defense was extremely impressive again from Virginia tech. Anytime that it seemed like North Carolina or Duke needed one more bucket to kind of be in position to be in position as Pat likes to say, um, the defense was able to figure it out. So, um, I guess to tie this all together, we can kind of just, what does this mean for the program? I think if we're all realistically being honest with each other, I don't know if last year, coming off of the Florida win or even like at the height of buzz before you left, thought you knew he was leaving. I don't know if I ever envisioned Virginia tech winning an ACC title in basketball. I, I, I just, I, I never could have fathomed that being a reality. So, uh, you know, we'll start with Ed. Is this something that you ever foresaw and what does this mean for the basketball program in general? It's not really something you can think about, right? Until they even get there one time, which they hadn't even done that before. Um, has Virginia Tech been capable in the past five years of what, making a run and winning an ACC tournament? Absolutely. That 2019 team, 2018 team were more than talented enough to do something like this. Um, but it's hard to do. And it's a good conference, even in a down year, as everyone likes to say, oh, it's down year. I mean, there's still five teams in the tournament. Um, that's, that's a decent number in respect to, I think that's his met. That's more than the PAC 12. I think it's around the same number as the big East. Um, they, they decided to put the entire big 10 in, which is absolutely ridiculous. Your guys' home state Rutgers has no business being in this tournament. They're 77th in the net. Um, but the ACC was not great this year, but it wasn't as bad as people want to make it out to be. And to be able to do that after just the start of this year, I mean, we can, we can talk about this all night, but. You know, in December, if you told me we were cutting down the nets in Brooklyn, I would have said you're absolutely insane. And the staff and this team did such a good job turning it around and figuring out what they needed to do to make themselves competitive. And they are more than competitive this week. They were absolutely dominant. This team started out two and seven in ACC play. And I remember recording. I don't know what podcast it was, but it was myself and Sam Jesse. And we were, oh, oh, we were talking about financials. And we, uh, Chris Himes also joined us. It was during the Miami game. And this was the first Miami game where, where they had the buzzer beater. And we weren't even watching. So we were like, all right, we got to knock out those podcasts. Like, and then we hear about the buzzer beater. And we're just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, two and seven. Can it get even worse? And to finish 13 and two, play our way off of the bubble, win four in a row at the Barclays Center, which, mind you, we had an absolutely horrific record at the Barclays Center prior to this ACC tournament. Just ask Devin Wilson. I know Devin Wilson is always keeping stats on our Barclays Center curse. Curse reverse. We are now champions. We are bringing a big trophy home from the Barclays Center. But 
a couple things here. Um, five NCAA tournaments in a row. The COVID year, there was no NCAA tournament. And, you know, we're going to use that to our advantage when we talk about it's like the bull streak, you know. All right, the bull streak ended. But guess what? We have a new streak. It's our NCAA tournament streak. Five in a row. I know the uh, the whole basketball school thing is always something that's tongue in cheek. You know, when we were two and seven in ACC play, no one wanted to say we were a basketball school. We're always going, the ball is always bouncing up and down on the basketball school thing. When you make five straight NCAA tournaments in a row, that's big time. That's big time basketball, whether it's an at large or whether this year, you know, we're getting that auto bid. That is outstanding. Um, Virginia Tech was never a school that was making consecutive NCAA tournaments. And, you know, we can thank Seth Greenberg for laying the foundation. We can thank Buzz Williams for building upon the foundation. And we can thank uh, Mike Young for taking us to heights that we've never achieved. You know, 42 years it's been since we won our conference in, in basketball. And if you told me, you know, if you told anyone, I know a, pe- a lot of people were talking about Bill Brill, the old uh, Duke sports writer, um, the late Duke sp- sports writer who was very uh, controversial and did not like Virginia Tech and thought Virginia Tech could only offer football to the ACC. Uh, back in 2004, if you told me we would win an ACC championship in basketball one day, I think most Hokie fans, if not all Hokie fans, would say you're crazy. Um, but then last thing here as far as like what does this mean for the program, look at these guys on our roster. You know, These are under-recruited guys. Halfway through the season, a lot of folks, whether they were inside of our fan base or outside of our fan base, were saying that we don't have ACC caliber players on our roster. Um, Mike Young is a phenomenal coach. We have some phenomenal players. They're all ACC players. You saw them just run the gauntlet the last four nights. And it just shows you how good of a coach Mike Young is, how good his offense is, how good his team's defense is, and how promising the future looks when you get guys from this DeMatha pipeline, um, you know, coming in with Mike Jones, um, you know, Weasler, the seven footer coming in, Rodney Rice coming in, um, MJ, MJ Collins. Like we are going to be a very good basketball program for the years to come. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm fired up. And I think if you are a Virginia tech fan, you should be really excited as well. Cause this is not a flash in the pan. We've won, uh, we've won the tournament and now we've won, uh, we've made it to five tournaments in a row. We're going to keep it going. I'll, I'll continue with that a little bit, but I talked a little bit about this with Chris Arvin on the Hokie Hoops pod when I interviewed him and I've exchanged texts with him back and forth a little bit the past couple of days. Just, he actually drove up there and went to the game. So I was just hearing how it went and all that kind of stuff. But I listened to him today, talk on uh, ESPN Blacksburg. He called into the show to talk about exactly this topic. You know, what does this mean for recruiting? What does this mean for uh, the future? Mike Young's now walking into these homes, not telling you what he did at Wofford. He's telling you what he did at Virginia Tech. He's got an ACC title under his belt. Um, he's got Mike Jones right behind him, you know, an absolute legend up in the D.C. area. And he's 6-0 in conference tournaments uh, with a roster of guys that, you know, coming out of high school were not ACC-level players athletically. Um, he's coached them to a point now where they clearly are, obviously. Um, but, you know, you look to next year with MJ Collins and Rodney Rice and Darren Buchanan and Patrick Wessler. Adding those four guys into that, into the Hurst building 
immediately raises the level of athlete in this program. Um, if Mike Young can do this with guys who are under-recruited, imagine what he's going to do with guys who are, you know, day one freshman ACC level athletes um, and the player development he can get out of those guys. Mike Young's talent evaluation and player development are really, I mean, it's hard to think of other coaches in the country who, who it, it, it's up there with. I saw Diablo say the same thing on Twitter today. Um, it's hard to think of any coach who can get this much out of a roster. Um, you know, Bill Self's getting five stars. Jay Wright's getting five stars. Um, Mike Young's getting Wofford transfers and Delaware transfers and winning ACC titles. So I don't know that we'll really understand the ramifications of winning this game until we're two or three years down the road and seeing what those next couple of recruiting classes look like. But um, the way he's already recruited without this title under his belt, I, I have to think that adding this title will will certainly raise the level of the recruiting. To close the chapter on um, the regular season and the ACC postseason, I want to tip my cap to Castleguard. I think they were a huge part of the turnaround that happened in February. Um, to see what this team was able to do, even though the job wasn't done at the end of the regular season, to go on the run that they did um, with all those games at home and bouncing back and you never saw the crowds quit. Um, I, I definitely want to say that that made a massive, massive difference. And it was so awesome to see how many folks were lined up outside of Castle Coliseum when the team got back. Uh, you saw Justin Mutz pulling confetti out of his backpack and throwing it up and having the ticket and everything else. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a great reward for what is one of the best uh, environments that there is, not only in the ACC, but in the entire country. A um, couple other caveats. It is just amazing. Pat, you turned to me against the Notre Dame game and you said, are we one of those random schools? And I was like, yeah, I guess we are one of those random schools. This is that first step in becoming, you think about the lay of the land in the ACC. Roy Williams just retired. Coach K, uh, Coach K is uh, retiring at the end of this year. Who knows how long Coach Beheim's is going to be there. Coach Young is going to be the most tenured coach with, it doesn't look like that bro from Georgia Tech is going to be here much longer, Passner, with how his seasons have gone. Mike Young is going to be the guy who has had success both at his previous role, has won the conference, and is looking to have continuous success going on here. Uh, that's a good point, Pat. Jim Laranega is another one of them. But who? how, how much longer is he going to coach as well? So, you know, I don't think we're going to be known as we're on the track to not be one of those random schools anymore. Um, I think we are set up very well to continue to compete. As you said, this is not a flash in the pan. We are set up to continue to compete for ACC championships in basketball, in the ACC, in Virginia, at Virginia Tech. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. I'll add a little bit to that and then we can close this part of the, the story, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. And I think people and coaches and players all across this league and all across other leagues are seeing that um, under Buzz Williams, under Mike Young, Virginia Tech is a school that can win in basketball and will have absolutely unquestioned fan support as well. Castle Coliseum is gets raved about by opposing coaches. That environment's amazing. Um, I haven't been in the Honors building in two or three years, but from a facilities perspective, it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to fall into a position kind of like the football program did where you're falling behind in terms of keeping up with, you know, your peers in terms of facilities. But, you know, as that building stood a couple of years ago, when I was able to walk around it, um, it's pretty nice. And, you know, you'd expect that 
continued success would lead to continued investment and this program can continue to rise the way it has under Mike Young. I, I'll venture to say that if Mike Young's here for another, you know, six, eight years, um, this ain't the last time we'll be talking about this. I think, uh, okay. So let's transition into, uh, the tournament. And, um, I guess the last thing that I'll say is uh, I did put out a tweet about, I'm sick of like the buzz versus Mike thing. I- I'm, I'm over it, but it, it's kind of funny to watch the two in post-game interviews where they could not be more different and their teams could not be more different. Uh, I called my pops today and he says, unbelievable game, unbelievable. And he's like, this Mike Young guy is just so different than Buzz. And he's so right. After the SEC semifinal win for, for the Aggies, Coach Williams is up there and he's like, you can't take the blue pill. You got to take the red pill. And Coach Young is after the game. He's just, we just got a bunch of kids who love playing ball. We love Virginia Tech. They're just complete. It's just a completely, completely different uh, chemistry that gets us to uh, be in the team that we are. They work their tails off, Bill. They work their tails off. They work their tails off. So, um, unfortunately, I didn't agree with this. I think the SEC got kind of shafted here in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. There is no reason Tennessee should be a three seed, should be a two seed, in my opinion, should be a one seed. Texas A&M misses the field completely. I would say the one thing I'm really excited about, I believe we are underseeded. That's, that's my opinion. I'm just really glad we are not in this south bracket. Um, you look at the South bracket, Arizona, who's incredible Villanova, who's probably my pick to win the entire thing. Um, you got Loyola, Chicago and Ohio state. I think either of those teams can advance if Ohio state gets healthy. Tennessee is a fantastic team. Illinois is a good team. That's an awesome bracket. Um, any thoughts on the bracket outside of Virginia tech before we move on? It's crazy that Michigan made it. They won 17 games. I, I think I took Ed's point. Uh, Ed, do you have any, any ads? Besides no, I was pointing to Pat. He can go first, but no, okay. I don't want to talk about Yeah. Um, Rothstein was saying this today, and I totally agree with him. Um, put mid-major teams against high-seeded teams. You know, who's San Francisco playing, Ed? Uh, San Francisco. Murray State. Murray State. You got San Francisco playing Murray State. You know, put them at the 13 and the 14. Have them play the four and the three and, you know, give them a chance to – to upset um, the high ranked, you know, mid uh, power five school. Like these are schools that uh, had great years and they're going to go up head to head instead of have a chance at knocking off a big dog. Um, yeah. You got St. Mary's and Wyoming playing too, potentially if, the, if Indiana loses, I agree. No, I'm with you. Big it's 10, um, you know, the big 10, nine teams in this year. I know that the so big stupid. There's gonna have there's gonna be some serious expectations for the Big Ten. Um, you know they haven't won a title in a dog's age. Uh, the SEC has has a lot of teams in. Uh, I think uh, hashtag fraud hashtag fraud alert. Uh, shout out John Yetzi. I know that uh, you know you have some frauds coming out of the uh, both the Big Ten and the SEC. Interested to see how far like Auburn and Tennessee go. Um, I don't know. It's I, gonna I, I'm going gonna, gonna to have to zag you on that. I think, the, I think by far the SEC has been the best conference in college basketball from the beginning of the season to the end. You look at a team like Alabama beating Gonzaga this year. Um, I think we, we've talked about this. The SEC has decided we're going to take some money and we're going to put it into basketball. And they put some money into basketball and the SEC is no longer the Kentucky conference. I, I think from top to bottom, they, you know, they're, they're pretty solid. I do agree with you a bit at the big 10. It is 
ludicrous to see a team like Michigan who is two and seven against the top 25. They are 28th in the BPI rankings and they went 11 and nine in their conference. They didn't win their conference. They were worse against top 25 teams than we were. And they won 17 games and they are essentially the same seed that we are. So I, I don't, I, they were ranked higher. They were ranked higher than we were on the overall seating. I completely agree about Michigan. Um, same goes for Rutgers. Rutgers has no business being in this tournament. Michigan, 17 and 14. Um, that's a that's a barely 500 basketball team. Are you joking? Why are they an 11 seed? Um, Buzz Williams should be rightfully pissed off about that one. Uh, mm-hmm. A&M should definitely take that spot. Um, Dayton should be pissed off. SMU, et cetera. Michigan should not have been in. Uh, Rutgers was 77th in the net. The net is supposed to be the source of truth. Apparently it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. what, what are we doing here? The, the big 10 bias was absolutely outrageous. Uh, I will also zag John Yetzi and Pat's point about the sec. The sec is fantastic. Uh, yeah, Alabama, I, Arkansas, Kentucky, let me just, Tennessee. Let me just clarify. I don't want, I don't want to have a, any uh, defamation of, of John's character here. John's fraud. <laughs> Most of John's frauds are coming from the Big Ten, not the SEC. I just threw okay, well then, I threw Tennessee and Auburn out there. Those are my personal interested to see who goes further. I feel like one of them uh I feel like one fair. of them is gonna go far. One of them's gonna be an early round exit. I'm interested to see who's who. Um I'm thinking Auburn's gonna get bounced early, but uh, Big Ten stinks. Moral of the story. As yeah. far as the seeding goes, I think tech ends up in the second most fortuitous bracket. Uh, I believe in order, the wet, the South is an absolute, you know, just, I, I have no idea who's coming out of the South. The West is pretty strong as well. The Midwest, in my opinion, is the easiest bracket. You got Kansas at the top, you got Auburn, uh, number two, but then you got Miami mixed in there. You got Wisconsin, who's been pretty good. You got, uh, Iowa Providence. They're kind of in the middle. And then you look at the East, um, as far as the East is concerned, I, I like the Texas matchup. I hate the Purdue matchup. Um, you got Baylor at the top here. You got Kentucky at the two seed. UCLA, who were the darlings from last year, they went from a playing game to the Final Four, which was an incredible journey. Um, Ed, when you look at that, when you look at our side of the bracket, what are your initial thoughts? I like the Texas matchup for the Hokies. Um, Chris Beard, scary. He's a really, really good basketball coach. Um, I, so, but that being said, I do like the matchup. I think it, it's a it's a decent spot to land as an 11 seed. The only other one that would have been more desirable would be that 11 seed Iowa state. If we had had their spot playing a coachless LSU in the first round, that would have been nice. But if you're going to, if you're going to, if we're going to be an 11, this is a good one to land in. Um, I completely agree with Purdue. I do not want to play Purdue. Um, actually I want to play Purdue, but I would rather play somebody else. They're really good. Jay Nivey is in my opinion, um, the best kid coming out this year in terms of NBA prospects. He's a special, special player to go along with a seven-footer in Zach Eady and a really, really good college basketball big man in Travion Williams. Um, Purdue's, Purdue's a gauntlet. They're, they got a lot of players. So um, I hope for the opportunity to play them. But that'll be – matchup-wise, that's probably the hardest game we'll play all year. Um, that's that, that's a tough matchup for Virginia Tech, you know, with a seven-footer like Eady and Travion Williams. But – um, you know, we just beat Duke who has players who are very similar and Banchero and Mark Williams and those guys. So anything's possible with the way Virginia Tech's been playing on both ends of the floor. Um, but in terms of 
the first round matchup, I'm cautiously optimistic. Second round matchup, I, I would love to see because, you know, the general consensus across, you know, national media and NOJ Billis has hammered this home as Virginia Tech is criminally underseeded. Um, and I think you could see that on the face of some of the Texas players when they saw who they were playing in the first round. Um, nobody wants to play the Hokies right now. So if, if we can get out of, uh, where are we playing? Wisconsin? Wisconsin and Milwaukee. 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 Wisconsin. Get out of there on Friday with a win against Texas and let the chips fall where they may against Purdue. Um, you know, the rest of the bracket, though, you're right. I, I think the East might actually be harder. I think that the East might be the toughest. Um, you got the defending national champs, Baylor. You got Carolina, who, you know, has been as hot as anybody in the country. Um, you got Marquette, who Shaka Smart, you know, how what he can do in tournament play. He's got that program turned around in year one. St. Mary's always questionable with the West Coast teams, what they're actually, you know, what they're capable of versus what they did in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, that playing game in the 5-12, Wyoming and Indiana. That's going to be a fun game. Either of those teams could win multiple mm-hmm. games this week. So, you know, it's a really, really tough side. I mean, Kentucky's a very popular pick to win the whole thing um, down there at the two seed. So the East is tough. Virginia Tech's draw in itself is – you know, it's kind of what you can hope for. Um, so I'm not too mad about it, but the, the East is really, really hard. Um, I hate I hate the Milwaukee thing, though. You know, if you're a Hokie fan in Chicago, you, you better get up to Milwaukee here this weekend. Um, but was really pulling for Greenville, was really pulling for Philly as option yeah. B, and uh, <laughs> fell short on both options. So uh, hopefully we can – we can uh, get out of Milwaukee uh, with two wins. So 4.30 on Friday, Virginia Tech plays Texas, and I would be remiss to not mention that at 2.30, so if you're looking to put in PTO, um, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, the uh, the fifth seed. Really excited about this, second highest seed in program history. Coach Brooks has the ladies positioned um, for success in March. Uh, or the ladies put themselves in position as well. Uh, they're the fifth seed. They're going to play Florida Gulf Coast in College Park, Maryland. Dunk uh, City. Yeah. So they're going to be in College Park. Uh, show up, show out. You can you can, you can uh, go to the women's game and then go catch the men's game at a bar in the, in the area. I'm sure there'll be Hokies everywhere. Um, Florida Gulf Coast, you know, they were a really good men's team. They dunked the ball a ton. I don't know if we'll see that out of the Florida Gulf Coast women's team. But who knows? Who knows? They're good. So, they 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 are good. So they're good. Um, they score a lot. They're not. They're the uh, women's version of the Dunk City team. They shoot a lot of threes and score a lot of points. But yeah, Coach Brooks has done a great job with that team all year. I love Georgia Amore. She is so much yeah. fun to watch play. She is a point god, and I am excited to watch her play in March. But uh, yeah, we kind of got kind of got hosed by ESPN and CBS on the timing of those games. It, uh, the two thirty tip for the women makes it really tough for any DMV Hokies to go to go to one game and watch the other. I'm, I'm kind of bummed. I thought about going, but the timing will be difficult. Maybe I'll go and then I'll walk across the street from Xfinity and watch the game at, uh, I don't know, Lito's Pizza or something delicious like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, super excited. Uh, if, if you guys are looking to watch the playing games, uh, they start on Tuesday. So tomorrow, the first game is at 640 Eastern time where we get AMCC versus Texas Southern. And then at 7:10 we get Indiana and Wyoming. If you're looking for a game to watch, watch the Indiana Wyoming game. That's going to be a very fun game. Two teams that fought their tails off to get in. Indiana had an incredible run in the Big Ten Championship. Um, so it's going to be fun. This is look. This is the best time of year. 
uh, I said it to everybody. There's no better feeling than when you're involved. March Madness is awesome on its face. It's 10 times more awesome when you're involved. So uh, really excited for the Hokies this year. For all of you that may have not done it yet, we have put out a bracket challenge uh, with the Locks of Saturday. You can find that on their Twitter feed or our Twitter feed. We'll also put this in the write-up. Um, but we'll move over to our uh, letters to the lunch panel and take this home. Um, I love this basketball team. I love both of our basketball teams. So excited. So excited. Um, here we go. So what do we got? The teams have been selected for the biggest tournament of the year. There is only a few days left to join in on all of the action before the first team tips off this Thursday. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a shot to bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Yup, it's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays, SGPs. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SOS. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code SOS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 year old or Virginia only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you know someone that has a gambling problem, call the Virginia Gambling Helpline at 888-532-3500. Woo! Yeah. Those are some sweet odds, man. Bet $5, win $200 in free bets. Like, what are, what are we doing? What are I we doing? On, I want to get on DraftKings. North Carolina, what are we doing? What are we doing? I, I, figure that out. Uh, Department of Gaming or uh, Department of Legal Licensing, Permitting, whatever. D-O-L-P-P-W. Letters from the Lunch Pail. John Yetzi, speaking of gambling. He says, was Hokies to win the ACC tournament plus 1,000, the lock of the century? Billy Ray, you, I took you it. did this. I you took won a it. lot of money. I did. Ed, did, I, you, Ed, I did. Did, you, did you place the future? Can't bet on Virginia teams in Virginia, man. Uh, <laughs> the answer to that question, John, is yes. The odds of the Hokies making the final four right now is plus 3,000. Uh, the odds of Tech winning the tournament, I think it's like – what is it? Did you guys see? No, Plus I didn't. 10, something like that. Very high, I'm assuming. Uh, John's smarter than me, though. I should I should have gone over into Maryland or into DC and mm-hmm. the, at Nats Park Sportsbook and thrown that ticket in. That would have been really smart. I messed that one up. I dropped the ball. I was going to say, now that I'm in North Carolina, I can't do that. So um, hopefully we can still win. He says, ACC is there for the taking and is undergoing slash about to undergo a lot of transition with coach K with Roy, with, you know, Bayheim, Jim Laranega, all, uh, you know, all on the tail end or already retired. We have stability, five straight tournaments, and now a title implications of this week's run regarding our ability to level up moving forward. We definitely kind of talked about this already, but, um, we definitely have able have the ability to do that now. Um, just from recruiting and from the perception of recruits around the country of this program and how 
we are there and we have arrived. Um, just look at look at Virginia, for example. Tony Brent, Tony Bennett plays a brand of basketball that when he gets the right players in his system, they perform. Uh, whether you hate it or you love it, um, they did win a national championship in 2019 uh, because he had guys who played phenomenal defense, and he also had some guys who can really shoot the rock. You know, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter. I mean, like that 2019. Virginia team was a very fun team to watch um, despite their brand of basketball. Um, but when you look at the future, when you look at the next five years, you know, Jim Laranega aside, it's, it's Mike Young and Tony Bennett. And now that Virginia tech has won some hardware from this tournament, um, we are a threat and we will be able to level up once we get those guys that we were talking about earlier, um, you know, into the system to perform at that next level. So uh, short answer. Yeah, let's let's go. Do you guys have anything? To I think, add? Yeah, I'll add a little bit to that. Not only does it impact the recruiting of high school kids in the short term, and I'm specifically talking about this next off season. I think it'll help tremendously when you are trying to get high level, high priority transfers. Um, at, at, you know, if Kevin Aluma goes to the NBA and Justin Mutz decides he has no interest in a fourth college degree, I uh, wouldn't blame him for that one. But if those two guys move on. Um, you would have to think that Virginia Tech would be right there in the conversation for some of the high-level uh, transfer portal kids that will inevitably enter the portal when the season does end. So uh, I think any kid right now looks at this roster and says, okay, that that roster is one piece away at a, at a power forward or a center spot. I'm going to go be that guy. So I think in the short term, it can definitely help significantly. I will add um, Hubert Davis had a really good year one in Carolina and has done well on the trail so far. So. Um, you know, it's too early to tell in Carolina, but he did have a good first year. Tony Bennett's got some, got some high level guys coming in next year into Charlottesville. Uh, I expect Virginia to bounce back to a place where, you know, where we would expect them to be. Um, but you're, you know, John's totally right. There's a lot of transition going on in this conference right now. And Virginia tech is in a very uh, steady upward trajectory, I would say. I would add this. Um, I think it's pretty exciting for my entire lifetime. Basketball was synonymous with the state of North Carolina. Um, Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina State years ago, Wake Forest. Um, that is the hotbed and epicenter of basketball. I think that Virginia, the state of Virginia, Virginia included, Virginia Tech, um, Liberty's made the tournament a couple of times. Uh, Virginia has entered the chat uh, into being one of the staple states um, for college basketball. Um, there is, in terms of venues, we said, yes, the SEC is probably the best uh, the best conference this year in basketball. You'd be hard-pressed to find a conference with better tradition, better uh, venues, and better everything in the, in terms of basketball ever since they blew up the, uh, the big East years and years and years ago. So I think Virginia has, has the state of Virginia is in a fantastic position to be, if not the, one of the best States for college basketball. So yeah, super exciting, excited for the future. Um, we have the court renovations coming up, a lot of awesome stuff going on. Interested to see how the coaching staff works out. Um, coach Jones, people are going to be knocking on the door, wanting to have him coach. Um, but at the same standpoint, other coaches are going to want, this is a great point. 
other coaches are going to want to be in the position that Coach Jones is in. I love that uh, Coach Young is giving Coach Jones the opportunity to speak going into halftime, to speak going out of the game. You can see he's giving him every opportunity to grow his brand and groom him into what will ultimately become a very good college basketball coach. And if you don't think that there are high-level high school and AAU coaches or assistant coaches throughout the rest of college basketball that would love to be in the position that guys like Coach Giltner, Coach Custis, Coach uh, Webby, and all these other coaches are in, you're kidding yourself. So, you know, it, we're building a basketball culture that will uh, that will pay dividends. And it's, it's, it's fun to kind of be here on the ground floor. Last question comes from Steve Bryce. Is this the worst seeding for an ACC tournament champion in history? Yes, it is. Um, does that seeding imply Tech wouldn't have made it in without the tournament championship? Yes, which is crazy. And the disrespect continues. I, I don't understand how a team can go 13-2 and two in conference in its last 15 games and blow out three <laughs> teams that are in the tournament field, and they are the one, the two, and the three seed in the conference, and they are um, – you know, two of them are Duke and Carolina, and you still give us an 11 seed. Going like, into it, what did you guys think? Like, I thought 10 was worst case scenario. I was thinking we'd be on the nine or eight line. Like, did you guys have any kind of any, any thoughts on that? And even when you watched, like, it was fun waking up on Sunday because ESPN was drooling over the Hokies. I mean, Seth Greenberg was talking about how, you know, it's impossible to prepare for this team. Jay, I also got to say, Jay Billis, goat, phenomenal job calling a Duke game and calling it straight down the middle. He, he is a joy to listen to. I love Jay Billis best in the business, uh, but they were both raving about the Hokies uh, on uh, on Saturday, on Sunday morning. Go ahead, Ed. Jay Billis also did a really good job on the Duke Carolina game to end the regular season. Yes. Uh, it was probably a really emotional night for him as a former coach K player. He called that game um, with incredible grace and was right down the middle on that one as well. So before, we'll, before we'll I don't want to end the podcast on this, but I did want to say it. I do have the ultimate respect for Coach K. If anybody here we go. Here we oh, go. Here it is. Was, hold on. Hold on. If anybody saw the video, Storm went out of his way to go over to where the Duke players were exiting, and he shook every Duke player's hand walking off the court. So I got to tip my cap to Storm Murphy. I got to tip my cap. When we're, we're clowning the Big Ten, we got coaches punching each other in, hand, in, uh, in the handshake lines in the Big Ten. In the ACC, we got starting point guards going over shaking hands and coach K went out of his way to uh, have a moment with storm Murphy, a, a historic career. Um, I'm glad he lost his last game in the ACC, but uh, nothing res- but respect for him and his crew. Steve, I can't, argue with, I can't argue with that, but you're going to get clown. I know. I know. I, and on a Steve Bryce question too, it's coming, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, I, I, I had to slide that in there. I didn't want it to be the last thing we talked about. Steve Bryce bonus. Who honestly thought this was possible at the two and seven ACC mark? Mike Young, Kevin Giltner, Ace Custis, Mike Jones, Christian Webster, and all the folks on that Virginia Tech uh, basketball team. And then probably some some guys in Castle Guard too. Um, <laughs> shout out Jackson and, and Camden. But um, no, in all seriousness, Hokey Barrick, um, after or <laughs> right before the. Uh, I guess this is long after the two and seven run, but Hokey Barrick, I just saw it. He posted a receipt on Twitter. He put some money on tech to win the national title at plus 30,000 odds uh, right before Darius Maddox 
sent sent us home uh, in victory at Miami. Wow, which was um, which seems like forever ago. forever ago, doesn't it? Yeah, um, but yeah, no, really, like two and seven. A lot of people mailed it in, and uh, it's pretty incredible. It really is. You know, this is like a historic. A historic moment in, in sports across the board. I mean, like you think Where of Virginia, yeah. Virginia Tech teams that have done stuff like this. You, you think of two football teams. One, the 1995 team started 0-2 and, and then, uh, you know, ripped off 10 wins in a row, won the Sugar Bowl, uh, beat Texas in the Sugar Bowl, foreshadowing. And then the 2010 Virginia Tech football team. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me back up. Um, 2004 Virginia Tech football uh, lost to NC state and, and USC early on in 2004, won the conference first year in the ACC first ever ACC championship. And then uh, 2010 start out. Oh, and two, the Boise loss, the JMU loss, 11 straight wins uh, beat Florida state in the ACC championship. So um, historic Virginia tech team of all time. And just so much fun, man. I think it's, I think, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say is this is a good example of, I never thought this team, I think some of the more important things are, does this team love each other? And is it a good culture? And Virginia Tech had both of those things in in spades. And I never thought, I mean, there were times, obviously, after a couple of these losses where I'm like, damn, we're, we're, there's, there, it's very realistic that this team is going to miss the tournament. I, of course, never thought that this team was going to win the ACC. Um, I, I would have probably, you know, I bet on it when the tournament started, but in some of those low moments, I didn't expect us to win the ACC, obviously. Um, but this is a good example of, you know, if you have a good culture and you have kids that love each other and you have kids that love the school, um, they continued to work. The coaches continued to coach and the gelling and this team coming together just took a little bit more time than it usually did. Guys like Naheem Aline f- found a way to contribute in a way differently than he contributed last year. Storm Murphy was extremely unselfish when Sean Padula getting minutes increased his in, increased his floor. Um, guys like Justin Mutz being a vocal leader. Keve Aluma continuing to grow his game into where it blossoms into this beautiful ACC performance. Um, it's just awesome. It really is. Um, so it's just a good lesson on to, you know, don't always look at the win-loss records. And they said it all year. Every every reporter, every analyst, this Virginia Tech team is better than their record. This Virginia Tech team is better than their record. And they found a way to get into March, and hopefully we can make some noise here. Ed, any closing thoughts? I'll close it out the way Mike Young closes out uh, every game I've seen in the locker room and in the stands. But how about them Hokies? How about them Hokies? All the and how about them Wofford boys? How about them Wofford boys? Those Wofford yeah. boys are catching a lot of flack in December, but those Wofford boys look pretty good right about now. Do you? I guess we can end it with this. Give me y'all's. Uh, you guys got a couple of teams to watch out for. Uh, I'm gonna. This isn't really like a a, a a surprise pick. I do think Loyola Chicago is gonna take care of Ohio State. Um, they're just gonna run into a buzzsaw that is Villanova. Um, Richmond with a huge win to find their way into the tournament with an, uh, another never say die type of moment. Um, kind of scanning here. I actually like Iowa to come out of the Midwest. Um, I think Iowa's got a really good basketball team. Um, I, I can definitely see them coming out of that bracket, but those are my kind of uh, my picks there. I think Villanova's awesome. And I think UConn has a chance to make a little bit of a run here too. Uh, go ahead, Ed. I talked about it on the locks, but I'll add it here too. 
my final four has no one seeds. I got three SEC schools and one Big Ten school. I got Arkansas, Purdue, Tennessee, and Auburn in my final four with Purdue beating Tennessee in the final. So you do you have Arizona? Uh, where do you have Arizona lose? You got Arizona losing to Tennessee, I'm assuming? Uh, I would guess I do, yes. Yeah. Yep, Tennessee. Yeah. Ed Tennessee. Williams. Yeah. Ed Williams loves the SEC. <laughs> Just means more. <laughs> I have not... I've not filled out my bracket yet. I don't really have any uh, have any teams, um, but I am going to say that I really hope that some Virginia teams, besides Virginia Tech, uh, you know, make it out of the first game. Um, yeah. Big shout out to Norfolk State, Longwood, and Richmond uh, for getting in. Um, I know you were talking about this earlier, Billy, but having four teams from Virginia in a 68 team field is pretty yeah. impressive. No doubt about it. Um, special team. Two special teams, uh, what is gearing up to be a really, really awesome month. Um, and again, yeah, this is a this is a week that I'll never, ever, ever forget. Um, and make sure you guys have until Wednesday, have until Wednesday, $22 gets you a ACC banner to hang up in your man or woman cave. Um, so go ahead and uh, go ahead and get your banners. So um, really excited. Alexa, Alexa, play it. No brainer by DJ Khalid and Justin Bieber. Cause that is <laughs> no brainer. I can't wait to have it hanging in my man cave. Some other stuff. Um, we're looking to interview a couple of former players that have played in the NCAA tournament um, uh, this week, just about their careers and uh, their time in March. Uh, we also have a couple of other stuff. We have the locks of Saturday coming out with all of your March madness picks for you as well. Follow us on social media at Sons of Sat, VT, and uh, Pat, where are we going from here? James Anderson joins the podcast, former Hokie defensive legend, uh, was on the 2004 ACC championship defense, uh, played for the Panthers, uh, played six years for the Panthers and a handful of other uh, NFL teams. He is joining us to talk about the Monogram Club's golf tournament. You don't want to miss it. Uh, and uh, really excited uh, getting to know James here. So we will kick it over to that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go Hokies. Beat Texas. Horns down. All right, everybody. Welcome into the Sons of Saturday podcast. It is Monday, March 14th, 7.44 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, my name is Pat Finn. I am back in Charlotte, North Carolina, we got Billy Ray Mitchell out in Frisco, Colorado, joining us. And then very, very, very special guest joining us down in Miami, Florida here uh, this evening, James Anderson, former Hokie, former NFL Hokie, and former defensive legend for the Lunch Pail defense. Uh, Mr. Anderson, what's going on? Welcome to the Sons of Saturday podcast. How's it going? You know what? I'm I'm doing great. It's thank you guys for having me. Uh, lucky to be have an opportunity to speak with you guys about such a great opportunity. And I just have one question for you guys: If this is Sons of Saturday, why are we talking on the Monday? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I don't have a good answer for you. I don't. <laughs> I wish I had a better answer. I for just you. I, I just figured. Saturday. You know, Sons of Monday. Who who like like Psalm? That's not a cool abbreviation. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't come up with this stuff. I just ask the questions and let the answers fall as they may. I got you. I got you. So hold on. Before we jump into this, uh, doing my uh, doing my Wikipedia research, and this is time we were talking about time sensitivity earlier. So personal life on Wikipedia. Anderson's nephew is Liberty Flames starting quarterback Malik Willis. Is that true? 
uh, that'll be true. Wow. Look at that. What, it's, climbing, it's, in, it's in the blood, man. Climbing the blood, climbing, climbing the blood, climbing the, uh, climbing the draft boards, an unbelievable talent committed to Virginia tech at one time. Um, so, but yeah, really cool, uh, cool side fun fact for you. But um, we are here to talk about the golf tournament coming up with the monogram club in Blacksburg during the spring game. Pat, I just teed it up for you. Why don't you go ahead and knock it out of the park? All right. So I guess even before we get into it, you know, there's some juicy details awaiting. But uh, before we do that, James, just what's going on? Just a, a life update. How are things going on down in Miami? What you've been up to lately? Things are going well. I am staying warm, having fun in the sun, uh, chasing around my two little daughters and doing it if I can learn how to hit golf balls really far. All right. That that tees it up perfectly uh, for what we'll get into. But um, what we really want to talk about here on this segment of Sons of Saturday is the Monogram Club golf tournament that is coming up on April 15th, Friday, April 15th, the Monogram Club for those to come golf tournament. So um, spring game weekend, everyone knows that Coach Bry is uh, bringing back the spring game. People are fired up. People are really excited, and uh, it's going to be a massive weekend in Blacksburg. Uh, but we have this golf tournament, teams of four, captain's choice with a shotgun start at 9 o'clock in the morning the day before the spring game. Um, James, you know when you're hearing about this golf tournament, we know that uh, there's been some hype going on on Twitter. Davon Morgan's hyping it up. We've been posting a little bit about it. Uh, but what are your initial reactions and thoughts about this uh, this golf tournament? You know, when I first heard about it, I said golf tournament at Tech. How can I how can I get a chance to play? Anytime I get an opportunity to to play in a tournament, especially for worthy causes, and anytime I, I think about it, and I get free stuff. Like you know what, I'm there. So I talked to Devon. Actually, Willie Powell called me, one of the hard hitting legends of the what they call a DBU, Defensive Back University, right? Willie called me and said, "Hey, look, bro, we're gonna have a tournament." hit up Devon. So I hit up Devon. He told me some details. I asked him kind of where they were and, and that's how I got involved. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to to coming back to, to Hokie land and really getting a chance to see some of the guys come back. I, from what I hear, some big name guys are coming back. You know, you got spring game right there. We got Easter that Sunday, so I can go back and find some Easter eggs. So I'm looking forward to the whole bill. So, um, you know, you, you were on the teams of the early 2000s. Has there been any type of like alumni golf outing or anything like that, um, you know, since your time in Blacksburg, you know, that you've, you were either invited to, I know you, you probably played in a handful of celebrity things back in, you know, when you're in the NFL, but um, specific to like Blacksburg or Roanoke or the New River Valley, has there been anything like this before? No, from what I hear, this is this this uh, event happened before, but I wasn't really involved. Um, I'm not sure there have been any big time like this kind of hyped up uh, size event come back to Blacksburg. So I'm really excited to to be a part of it. I'm excited to kind of see how it goes, and I'm really excited to go back and see the guys. Love it. So for the listeners out there, um, I know that you know if you haven't dusted off the sticks. Yet it is March 14th. The weather is starting to turn the corner here. You know, March is in like a lion, out like a lamb, they say. We're gonna get, you know, some 60 degree days, some 70 degree days over the next few weeks. Hit the driving range and get ready for this tournament. You're probably wondering, 
How can I get involved? How can I sign up? Sign up for this tournament is going to be on Monday, March 21st. It is $500 per team for registration. Um, There are limited spots for entry. Uh, There will be 30 teams playing in this golf tournament at the Roanoke Country Club. And we will have final details for how to sign up posted shortly. Um, You know, should be sometime midweek of this week. Uh, For that, you can check out the VT Monogram Club social media page. You can check out the Sons of Saturday um, social page. We'll definitely helping um, helping out with promotion as well. Uh, But as far as like participation goes, fans, donors, you name it, participation is open. There are limited spots, um, but you know this is a very exciting opportunity here. Um, James, as far as you know, golf guys from Virginia Tech. When you were in school or when you were in the NFL. Were there any specific guys that you like to uh, to tee it up with or that you've heard are really good golfers? You know, I hear, you know, Michael Vick's a huge golfer, Brian Randall. hear D. Hall is getting into the game. Devon Morgan is getting the game. Willie Powell. You know, these are some of the names. Bruce Smith. Some of these guys that I hear like to play. I know, like, you know, those quarterbacks, those guys. You know, they're on the golf course, even in training camp. Those guys are going to play and all kinds of stuff. You know, they don't do anything anyway, so – uh, you know, that's, that was the, the kind of guys I hear. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing it in person because it's one thing to hear about. It's nothing to actually witness it. So I'm definitely looking forward to that part of it. James, let me ask you, when, you know, uh, a lot's been made of former players wanting to get involved, former players wanting to come back to school, former players wanting to spend time with one another. And it's tough. It's tough. And I'm only four years removed now, and I can count on my hand how many times I've gotten together with um, – guys that I played with and and gotten to spend time with them outside of Blacksburg. How much does it mean to alumni from all sorts of different ages to know that you're going to be able to see so many of your teammates in one place and how do you envision being able, or what do you want to do uh, getting involved in the Virginia tech football community and helping uplift that program? I mean, you know, I think it's, it's a unique opportunity because what you see is you see on a football team, you might have 60, 70 guys, from all different parts of the country. And once you graduate, you go into 67 different ways and life hits you and different things. So they have an opportunity to come back and kind of rekindle some of those old memories, tell those stories, see some of the guys that you spent a good majority of your maturing years, right? I mean, you go from, this is kind of when you become an adult. That's what they say. So I think that's a unique opportunity. I'm really looking forward to that part. I'm looking forward to just jumping in and try to help what I can to help really race this tournament because it's, it's for a worthy cause, you know, for the, for those to come to give people an opportunity that I had. So I, you know, I had a scholarship to Virginia Tech, so I had an opportunity to go and play ball. So for us to, to have a, a small part in helping somebody else achieve that dream, I think that's phenomenal. So one other one that I have for you, um, for those that don't know, um, James appeared on the miniature golf reality show, Holy Moly in August, 2020. Do we really have to talk about this? No, but you said it right <laughs> for the longest time a mechanical gopher. So I'm curious, would you are you going to be relying on some of the skills that you learned from Holy Moly? Was it uh or was it something that maybe it took you a while like participating in the uh home run derby? A lot of guys take some time to get their form back. Is that something you're gonna be relying on up uh here in April? Yeah, I know. You know, they say golf is someone using some of the smaller muscles, the inner arms, the inner thighs. So riding the bull was very similar. You had to really squeeze with the inner thighs. 
Because that, I mean, yeah. most people could don't understand that bull was probably like 50, 60 feet in the air. So I, well, first uh-huh. of all, I was terrified. Come scared of heights. <laughs> and they put me on this crane. They put me on top of this bull. And I was like, yo, please just don't break your neck on live TV. Let's not break your neck on that TV, right? Uh-huh. So I definitely will be rekindling those memories and using the inner thighs to power through football. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, man. So you mentioned, you mentioned giving back. Um, so for those who don't know, um, this is a fundraiser. This is a fundraiser tournament. Uh, the monogram club has specific goals that uh, they're looking to meet with, uh, fundraising for this, for those to come golf tournament. It is all going to the endowment for scholarships specifically, uh, within Virginia tech athletics, which is really exciting. Um, Friday. So, so the golf tournament is on Friday, the 15th. Afterwards, there is a cocktail event and a reception uh, in the Merriman Center in the Bowman Room. Or I guess the Bowman Room is now the uh, that new um, unbelievable facility. Uh, that's going to be at five o'clock on Friday of spring game. You do not have to play in the golf tournament to attend the event. Um, but James, have you seen pictures or and I, I don't know the last time you've been to Blacksburg, but have you seen pictures of like that updated dining facility uh, in Merriman? Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen pictures. I mean, I think what Virginia Tech has done for their facilities is, is top notch. I mean, they're one of the best in the country. And you see that year in and year out with the improvements they're making, with the facility changes, all these kinds of things. So you can, as a Hokie alum, you can only be proud of kind of the legacy you left looking back and seeing the changes that have been made. Absolutely. And uh, at that event, there's going to be a, a speaker series, probably two or three speakers uh, from Virginia Tech Athletics. Uh, probably a couple coaches here and there and, and some folks outside of the program, uh, but former Hokies will be joining that speaker series. So stay tuned for details on that. Um, I do want to make a note right now um, that sponsorship opportunities are still available for the, for those to come golf tournament. Um, you know, I want to highlight that is it is $1,000 to sponsor a whole if you are interested in sponsoring a whole uh, for all the listeners out there, you know, if, if you run a business, you know, if you have, um, if you have some cash lying around, you want to donate um, and, and, you know, write off on your tax, uh, tax return. No, but seriously um, there are different stages of donations and sponsorships that can be made for this golf tournament. Um, and if you want to know more about that, you can reach out to Davon Morgan. You can reach out to sons of Saturday um, or you can reach out to Bryce Chalkley, um, former Hokie standout golfer, uh, to get more information uh, on sponsoring this tournament. Definitely a great we'll opportunity. Put, and to make this a little easier too, Pat, we'll put their contact information and we'll also include the, uh, the sign-up link in the uh, article. So if you're looking for that information, check out the pinned tweet on our account or on our Facebook, and we'll have all that information centralized for you as well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So just a reminder, the sign up will start on Monday, uh, March 21st, uh, but we'll put an article out and we'll update it um, as that date comes. So super exciting. We got some Hokie legends coming back into town. We're looking for some more sponsors and, um, you know, we're, we're going to have the best spring game weekend ever. Um, so James, from now on, I want to hear about your involvement with kind of what you got going on with hitting golf balls really far and uh, you know, how we could potentially align that with the, for those to come golf tournament, because, Hey, 
you know, a lot of this we're doing for the first time. And, uh, you know, if you have some creative ideas that we can throw into the ring here, uh, we can really make it a repetitive process for those to come, for those golf tournaments to come. Well, James, hey man, I was I was trying to keep this a secret. Y'all trying to let the cat out the bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also I, I was interested to say, you know, Co- as you know, Coach Beamer says the little things are important, and as most people do, they talk about the things that they do really, really well. It sounds like your long game seems to be your strength. Is the short game something that we're working on? Is it like a secret weapon type deal? What is? What are you more comfortable with the long game? Kind of talk us through your golf game here, James. Well, I, I, I want to make a couple points. First of all, I want to reiterate the sponsorship point because when you're looking at marketing the PR, what better way for only a thousand bucks can you guarantee hundred some odd players, big names, select? I mean, you know, former players. So you got people that that make power moves, so they're gonna see it. You can pay for a commercial on TV, and who knows who see it, right? But you can. This is a, a surefire, guaranteed way that your company, your business, your name is going to be splat right in front of these guys at a golf tournament for hours. Their guards are down. They're open to, to receive information. So that's the first thing. Second of all, please don't question my short game because drivers show puff for dough and my, my pocket is not light. That's the first <laughs> thing, right? And then we'll talk about this. So when I, I talked to Bryce and, De- and Devon, and I said, you know what? As athletes, we like to compete. And here, and if it helps, here's what I'll do. I'll stand on the hole and I'll challenge every man that comes to the tee to see if they can all drive me. There will be a, obviously you have to make a donation. Uh, we're working with Bryce for the details. There'll be a donation for the competition because we're trying to measure money. That's the whole point. But, you know, there'll be some, some positive things for the pe- people that actually come close. So you're automatically saying nobody's going to outdrive you. That that's a quote. No one will outdrive James Anderson at the Monogram Club for those to come golf tournament. If you let me tell the story, okay. All right. <laughs> Excited to see it. Who's who going to be a loser in their own story? <laughs> <laughs> hey, who does that? If I tell it, I'm I'm beating everybody. <laughs> so that's going to be a ton of fun, um, man. April fifteenth can't come soon enough. It's actually. A month from a month from today, or today's fourteenth. Month and uh, a day. Very a month and a day from today. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be super exciting. Spring game, twenty twenty two. A new era. Spring game is back. We got the three point two for thirty two on the following or uh, on the morning of spring game as well. Tons of Hokies are coming into town, and we are also. This is this is kind of a secret, but um. And we're not, still figuring, it's about to not be a secret. We're still figuring some things out here, but we're looking to have an event that Friday night following. This is an unaffiliated event, but following the uh, that cocktail hour, we're going to look to have an event uh, at some at some venue uh, around the town of Blacksburg, getting some of the folks uh, who are planning the tournament uh, at the event as well. So stay tuned. So, for, so uh, whoa, 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 wait, there's going to be an after party after after party. You double double after party squared. Yep. Yeah, I'm getting, too, I'm getting too old for this, man. I might be in the bed by the time this is. Hey, hey, one weekend a year. We're just asking for one. I guess no, no, no that's I, not I have true. kids, man. That's not true. No, I, <laughs> I'm saying one weekend a year, but hey, well, we got a whole season in the fall, so one weekend per spring. We got to get this going. Uh, but hey, text your. Oh, go ahead, Pat. I was going to say, text your friend Dave on 
and ask him what's going on and uh, he'll give you the scoops of what we'll we're make sure we'll get you we'll get you like a espresso martini or a, a red bull uh red bull vodka or something with a little caffeine to keep to keep you going you know, I'll, I'll i'll do the martini as long as you put it in the man cup i can't do the little <laughs> <laughs> don't bring me the little glass and then hand it to me all soft with a napkin and i got you at least at least let me keep my man let me you know sure. we'll put it in a gatorade squirt bottle that'll probably be pretty gross but we'll we'll, we'll do something like that yeah we'll do it college style we'll just uh we'll put it in a, in a, a red solo cup call it yep. a day okay yep. all right all right james <laughs> last thing any thoughts virginia tech basketball first time acc championship any any thoughts you know what um you know what that right there that statement you just made right there i told him we shot the world every once in a while I, I'm really I'm as a hokey to I didn't actually get a chance to watch the game unfortunately, but to wake up to my phone blowing up telling me that people that you know we did this and we did that you know it makes it makes a, a former alum feel good. I'm really impressed. Um, I'm glad to say that we have multiple sports that are competitive, and we're we're on the map, baby. We're on the map. We're on the map. Hey, listen, you were on that 2004 team that did the same thing. So I know uh, I know that makes you feel special, and uh, this is a special group of guys, and I can't wait to see them hopefully kick some butt on Friday too. Looking forward to it. No doubt. Oh, man. Awesome. Well, um, that should do it for, uh, for chatting, chatting about uh, hitting around a little white ball on April 15th. But, uh, James, we'd love to have you back uh, you know, later on. Love to uh, talk high level or you know, in, the, in the weeds about your career. But really appreciate your time. And uh, we want to do this thing, what we call Sharky Shoutouts, our favorite place in town, Sharky's Wing and Rib Joint. If you got any shoutouts, anything you want to plug, any events, social media, whatever you got going on, or any folks you want to thank or shout out, uh, this is your opportunity. Um, You know, I just, I always thank my family and the people that were there since day one, man. You know, my Instagram is at 42 James Anderson. So there you'll find usually what I'm doing. I guess the next time we catch up, we can talk about some of the things I actually have going on off the course, you know, some real life stuff. And um, I want to say from my tech days, my tech days, once I was, of age, they tell me this place called, you know, Top of the Stairs. They tell me that place was a hot, was a hit. I, it was something they, they called a rail or a, a, I don't know, something like that. Yep. There you go. That's what they, that's what they tell me. I'm not really familiar <laughs> with it, but they say, they say it was a deal. Well, James, we're going to have to get some rails together here in, uh, in 31 days. No, I, no, no, no. Um, from what I hear about the rail, I, I, I value my liver. <laughs> You need, you, yeah, you can't be drinking rails if you're trying to hit the, hit the ball far. So I'll, I'll stick with some water. There we go. And, and espresso martinis. <laughs> in a man cup. In a man cup. <laughs> Absolute pleasure, James. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows. Drink till we can't stand, but I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know what you're thinking. 